Chapter Twenty Five, Part One of the Combined Maze by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Twenty Five, Part One. In the afternoon, Winnie came again for the children, so that he could go to Wandsworth unencumbered the weather was favourable to her idea which was not to be in ranny's house more than she could help but to be seen if seen she must be out of doors with the children in a public innocence affording the presumption that violet was still there above all she was not going to be seen with ranny or to be seen by him too much if she could help it with her sense of the sadness of his errand the sense that came to her more acutely with the afternoon of things imminent of things she knew not what that would have to be done she avoided him as she would have avoided a bereaved person preoccupied with some lamentable business relating to the departed he was aware of her attitude he was aware further that it would be their attitude at wandsworth they would all treat him like that as if he were bereaved they would not lose nor allow him to lose for an instant their awestruck sense of it that was why he dreaded going there why he had put it off till the last possible moment which was about three o'clock in the afternoon his uncle randall would be there he would have to be told he might as well tell him while he was about it his wife's action had been patent and public it was not a thing that could be hushed up or minimized or explained away as he thought of all this of what he would have to say to go into to handle every moment wound him up to a higher and higher pitch of nervous tension his mother opened the door to him she greeted him with a certain timidity an ominous hesitation and from the expression of her face you might have gathered in spite of her kiss that she was not entirely glad to see him that she had something up her sleeve something that she desired to conceal from him it was as if by way of concealing it that she let him in stealthily with no more opening of the door than was absolutely necessary for his entrance you haven't brought violet she whispered no they went softly together through the shop darkened by the blinds that were drawn for sunday in the little passage beyond he paused at the door of the back parlour where's father she winced at the word father so out of keeping with his habitual levity it was the first intimation that there was something wrong with him he's upstairs my dear in his bed what's the matter with him it's the headache she went on to explain taking him as it were surreptitiously into the little room that the headache had been frequent lately not to say continuous not even sundays were exempt he's a sad sufferer she said instead of replying with something suitable ranny set his teeth she had sat down helplessly and as she spoke she gazed up at him where he remained standing by the chimney-piece her look pleaded deprecated yet obstinately endeavoured to deceive but for once ranny was blind to the pathos of her deception vaguely her foolish secrecy irritated him look here mother he said i want to talk to you i've got to tell you something it's not anything about your father ranny no it is not she turned to him from her trouble with visible relief it's about my wife violet she's left me left you what do you mean ranny she's gone off bolted when last night i suppose to paris she stared at him strangely without sympathy without comprehension it was almost as if in her mind she accused him of harbouring some monstrous hallucination 
with her eternal instinct for suppression she fought against it she refused to take it in he felt himself unequal to pressing it on her more than that would she go there all that way by herself ranny she brought out at last by herself not much well how and still she would not face the thing straight enough to say how did she go then he flung it at her brutally exasperated by her obstinacy she went with mercier with him she her face seemed suddenly to give way under his eyes to become discoloured in a frightful pallor to fall piteously into the lines of age this face that his words had so crushed and broken looked up at him with all its motherhood mute yet vibrant brimming in its eyes sit down dear she said you'll be tired standing he sat down mechanically in the nearest chair bending forward contemplating his clenched hands his posture put him at her mercy she came over to him and laid one hand on his shoulder the other touched his hair stroking it he shrank as if she had hurt him and leaned back she moved away and took up a position in a seat that faced him there she sat and gazed at him helpless and passive panting a little with emotion until a thought occurred to her who's looking after the little children winnie winnie diamond why didn't you send for me ranny it was too late last night i'd have come my dear i'd have got out of me bed it wouldn't have done any good there was a long pause were you alone in the house dear he looked up angry of course i was alone in the house she sat silent and continued to gaze at him with her tender wounded eyes outside in the passage the front doorbell rang she rose in perturbation that's them do you want to see them i don't care whether i see them or not she stood deliberating you'd better perhaps see your uncle i'll tell him ranny your father's not fit for it to-day all right he rose uneasily and prepared himself to take it standing he heard them come into the shop his uncle and his aunt randall he heard his uncle's salutation checked in mid-career he heard his mother's penetrating whisper then mutterings commiserations their communion lasted long enough for him to gather that his mother would have about told them everything they came in marking their shocked sense of it by soft shufflings at the door of the parlour his sanctuary he felt obscurely that he had become important to them the chief figure of a little infamous tragedy he had a moment's intense and painful prescience of the way they would take it they would treat him with an excruciating respect an awful deference as a person visited by god and afflicted with unspeakable calamity and they did it was an affair of downcast eyes and silent embarrassed and embarrassing handshakings ransom met it with his head in the air clear-eyed defiant of their sympathy i think his mother said we'd better come upstairs if we don't want to be interrupted for on sundays the back parlour was assigned to the young chemist mercier's successor who assisted mr ransom upstairs the ordered room polished to perfection steadfast in its shining sunday state appeared as the irremovable seat of middle-class tradition of family virtue of fidelity and cleanliness of sacred immutable propriety and into the bosom of these safe and comfortable sanctities ranny had brought horror and defilement and destruction his uncle randall try as he would could not disguise from him that this was what he had done because of ranny's wife respectability the enduring soul of the randalls and the ransoms 
could never lift up its head superbly any more all infamies and all abominations that could defile a family were summed up for john randall in the one word adultery it was worse than robbery or forgery or bankruptcy it struck more home it did more deadly havoc among the generations it excited more interest it caused more talk and therefore it marked you more and was not so easily forgotten it reverberated the more respectable you were the worse it was for you if among the randalls and the ransoms such a plunge as violets was unheard of it made the more terrific splash a splash that covered the whole family the ransoms to be sure stood more in the centre they were more deplorably bespattered and more much more intimately tainted but by the very closeness of their family attachment the mud of violet's plungings would adhere largely to the randalls too the taint would hang for years around him john randall in his shop he had hardly entered his sister's room before he had calculated about how long it would be before the scandal spread through wandsworth high street it wasn't as if he hadn't been well known as a member of the borough council he stuck in the public eye where other men would have slipped through into obscurity it was really worse for him than any of them all this was present in the back of john randall's mind as he prepared to deal efficiently with the catastrophe having unbuttoned his coat and taken off his gloves with exasperating slow and measured movements he fairly sat down to it at the table preserving his very finest military air the situation required before all things a policy and the policy which most appealed to mr randall in which he showed himself most efficient was the policy of a kindly hushing up it was thus that for years he had dealt with his brother-in-law's inebriety ranny's case to be sure was not quite so simple still on the essential point mr randall had made up his mind that in the discussion that must follow the idea of adultery should not once appear if they were all of them as a family splashed more or less from head to foot with mud of a kind that was going to stick to them why there was nothing to be done but to cover it up as soon as possible it was in the spirit of this policy that he approached his nephew it involved dealing with young mrs ransome throughout as a good woman who had become somehow mysteriously unfortunate i'm sorry to hear this about your wife randall it's a sad business a sad business for you my boy from her seat on the sofa beside ranny's mother aunt randall murmured inarticulate corroboration of that view ranny had remained standing it gave him an advantage in defiance i've never heard anything his uncle continued heavily that shocked and grieved me more i wouldn't worry about it if i were you uncle at that mr randall fumed a little feebly thereby losing some of the fineness of his military air it was as if his nephew had disparaged his importance ignored his stake in the family's reputation and as good as told him it was no business of his but i must worry about it i can't take it like you do as cool as if nothing had happened such a thing's never been known never so much as been named in your mother's family or your father's either it's it's so unexpected i didn't expect it any more than you did needn't take that tone randall my boy i'm sorry for you but you're not the only one concerned still i'm putting all that aside and i'm here to help you you can't help me how can you i can help you to consider what's to be done there isn't anything to be done that i can see there are several things said mr randall that can be done he said it as if he were counsel giving an opinion you can take her back you can leave her alone or you can divorce her 
first of all i want to know one thing did you give her any provocation what do you mean by provocation well did you give her any cause for jealousy ranny's mother struck in he wouldn't john and his aunt randall murmured half audible in shocked negation ranny stared at his uncle as if he wondered where he was coming out next of course i didn't are you quite sure about that you needn't ask him such a thing said ranny's mother and ranny fairly squared himself look here uncle what do you want to get at the facts my boy you've got all there are how about that young woman up at your place what young woman that miss ranny's mother supplied his loss miss diamond what's she got to do with it said ranny i'm asking you what has she nothing you can keep her out of it that's what i should advise you to do my boy ranny dropped his defiance and sank his flushed forehead i have kept her out of it his voice was grave and very low not if she's there taking everything upon her and looking after your children what harm's she doing looking after them you'll soon know if you take it into a court of law who told you i was going to take it that's what i'm trying to get at are you am i going to divorce her you mean that was what he had meant it was also what he was afraid of what he hoped to dissuade his nephew from above all things he dreaded the public scandal of divorce yes he said is it bad enough for that it's bad enough for anything but i don't know what i'm going to do well it won't do to have that young woman's name brought forward in the evidence who'd bring it why she might randall's face was blank your wife if she defends the suit that would be her game you may be sure it would randall reflected that was the very point suggested last night by his inner sanity the use that might be made of winnie winnie's innocent presence in his house might ruin his case if it were known what was worse far worse it would ruin winnie whatever he did he must keep winnie out of it i haven't said i was going to bring an action well and i don't advise you to why have the scandal and the publicity when you can avoid it why ranny his mother cried it would kill your father ranny scowled her cry failed to touch him mr randall went on he felt that he was bringing his nephew round that he was getting the case into his own hands the hands that were most competent to deal with it it was only to be expected that with his experience he could see farther than the young man his nephew what mr randall saw beyond the scandal of the divorce court was a vision of young mrs ransome wanton with liberty and plunging deeper splashing as she had not yet splashed bespattering them all to the farthest limits of her range the question for mr randall was how to stop her how to get her out of it how to bring her to her sober senses before she had done more damage than she had he wondered had it occurred to randall that he might take her back have you any idea he said what made her do it good god what a question End of chapter 25, part 1. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.